Welcome to Who the Fuck Are Arctic Monkeys, the podcast where we chat to interesting people about their favourite song from the titular lads from High Green as well as much more. This week I was joined by Jack Saunders. He's a Radio 1 DJ as well as the mind behind the Hopscotch gig night. He's a lifelong Arctic Monkeys fan and the band frequently crop up in rotation on his Radio 1 show. We unpack why it is his love for the group is just so strong, as well as how they've inspired his devotion to sharing new music. We also take a look at some of the parallels between Art and Monkeys and Youngblood, an artist Jack's champion since his early days, and through that we touch upon the group's lasting influence upon artists all around the UK. It was a real privilege to get an insight into how Art and Monkeys have inspired one of Britain's hottest rising DJs on both a personal and professional level. But before all of that, he shares his favourite track from the group's sixth album discography. Here's me and Jack Saunders talking all things Art and Monkeys. My favourite Arctic Monkey song, I think I'm going to have to say The View from the Afternoon. It's one of their earliest pieces of work. It's one of the songs that I think really set the bar for tracks like Dance Floor, When the Sun Goes Down, Dancing Shoes, and I think was really a big fat ignition key into the just ridiculous ascent that that band have been on to now one of the biggest bands in the world. Not only that, but in terms of the actual song itself, it was my first real uh, plunge, I suppose, into the band. I loved its energy. I loved how out of control and unhinged it is. But at exactly the same time, it comes with a story from Alex that, well, how old would I have been? Like 15 or whatever it was. When I was 15, like starting to go out and, you know, have a beer when I probably shouldn't do and, you know, just be an adolescent kid in a, in a city and just going wild. A fluorescent adolescent. A fluorescent adolescent, exactly. <laughs> he to- You set me up for I that. I know, well, yeah, I've got to, mate. You've got to. We're going to get a few of those probably going on. Um, yeah, just it, it spoke to me so strong. And uh, from the view to the afternoon to rubble to Marty Bum, as I said, dancing shoes and everything else in between, red lights. And, uh, and the rest of this discography. It was, uh, it was the beginning of a brilliant journey. I think the key thing with both that track and that first debut album is that every song has a very particular story to it and there's a very clear narrative that runs through the yeah. heart of every track. Well, the interesting thing about View is that View came from Who the Fuck Are the Arctic Monkeys EP, didn't it? I mean, that was the opener on that EP. I mean, that was the initial kind of blossoming of the band and that, that the beginning of that story of, of their life and their uh, times as as young people in Sheffield. I think it's. I think it holds incredible sentiment, that track, the fact that they brought it through into the debut album as well to open that up as well. I think it takes a certain type of band to open a debut album with the sentiment that anticipation is the habit to set you up for disappointment. Yeah, exactly. Well, you look, <laughs> the thing is, right, you can't go in and you can't pull people up to a height and then, you know, just let them down gently. You've got to tell them how it is. And that's, that's what that album, that's what the album is all about. And that's how that story runs. You know, it's like, this is what life in Sheffield and being young in Sheffield is like. And we live like this. And we know that you live like this and you're not the only ones, you know? So you end up you end up feeling like you're out there with them. You end up feeling like you're alongside them, you know, in those bars, trying to skip the queue, trying to sweet talk the bouncer into letting you in and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's a special one, isn't it? I mean, you went, to, you went to Nottingham for university, right? Yeah. Which isn't a million miles away from Sheffield. No. You let me be an hour or 45 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Did you still feel the presence of Arctic Monkeys and the scene there in the music. Yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not just Sheffield, it's it's the north of England. 
you know, it's the north of England, and look, it probably stre- that's probably stretched up into Scotland yeah, as well with you. Yeah, do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So, um, don't get me wrong; they certainly have a presence down south as well. But I just think it's that it's that affiliation, that working class affiliation as well that um, the Arctic Monkeys came with. They are just a group of normal lads who love making rock and roll from Sheffield and I think there were plenty of other people that at the time as well when the scene was so thriving just wanted to do that there were so many people that either wanted to do it or just wanted to breathe it and be around it and Arctic stood for it perfectly because they were also not only just uh, kind of at home with people but they also felt they felt revolutionary in what they were doing they really really did and 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 there are great examples of how you know hip hop and all that kind of stuff has filtered through Alex lyrics and um and the, and the songs in general. So they felt exciting, they felt different, and they felt connected, you know? I mean, I've heard you talk in interviews before about your kind of role as a DJ and as a presenter and how it can often be, the not the duty, but yeah, the role of you to find the common denominator in two things that don't appear like they would go together. Yeah. Where do you see that in the music of Arctic Monkeys? I don't necessarily think, we've been talking a lot about the debut album, I don't think it necessarily exists within that debut album because I think they kind of they accomplish exactly who they are and set out exactly who they are in that debut album but I think the two very pure distillation yeah it is it's it, you, what you get is what you get you know there's nothing else to it but I think where that idea kind of comes in is if you go further down the line to 2013 and you look at an, uh, an album like AM and that transition of this band who have come from you know a working class background in the north of England just making rock and roll that they love to still being those people, making rock and roll that they love, still being the same people, still being brilliantly talented, but doing it in a completely different way and still being in re- reinventing themselves and still being boundary breakers, you know? Um, I think that's where that band have always been successful is that they've never rested on their laurels. Tranquility is a great example of that. You drop AM, it's your biggest record uh, of your whole career. You break America with it. What do you do? You go and make a concept album. <laughs> Of course you do. Let's go to the moon. Yeah, exactly. Let's go to the moon. Let's go and open a taco bar up there. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, this, this, it's not necessarily those, those two um, opposing domin- denominators aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily exist within the music, but I think they exist within the career and um, and how re- how good they are at reinventing and just keeping things moving as a band. You know, these guys are, these guys are approaching 40 years old. They are, that, that's the fact, but they still, they still, still feel like they are 23, 24 from the north of England. Yeah, they're out here putting taco bars on moons and, you know, <laughs> shaking their hips in the desert and stuff. So where are you? You said you're 15 when the first album drops. I think so, yeah. Roughly, roughly yeah. Where are you at in life when AM comes out as opposed to that? Oh, yeah, I can remember I can remember that one. I can remember that one. So I am, I'm at university. I'm in Nottingham. I'm just about to start first year I think yeah because I finished school in 2011 would have started in 2011 or maybe maybe second year actually sorry so I think I would have just been starting my second year of university so 2012 and it's record store record store days approaching and Arctic Monkeys release Are You Mine as yeah as as a record store day special and that that was all that was that's all that song was meant to be at the end of the day but I remember listening to that thing and thinking oh my gosh I mean this is this is this is this is like the first album, but it's totally different at exactly the same time. And it was it was a new world of Arctic's that perhaps had arguably got a little bit stagnant with Suck It and See. 
I think Suckett and C and Humbug are very close relationship-wise. They hold an important part in the trajectory of this band. And I think people were just waiting for that ignition switch again, that next bit. And they came through with Are You Mine? I think everyone was like, whoa, this is incredible. And I don't think even the band necessarily realised that that song was going to be as big as it was, hence the Record Store Day release. It blows up, it goes mad. And, and, and as soon as it gets announced that that's actually going to be part of the album, well, I mean, you just, you just can't wait for what's to come. And I don't think anyone even expected, you know, the, the direction that it went in. I think number one, looking at the track list here, I remember when that dropped and looking at number one party anthem, you're thinking, oh my God, that thing is going to go off. That thing is going to be a belter. We'll be losing our minds to that. <laughs> But then it's just like the most chilled track, other than uh, um, the final track, it's just the most chilled track on the album. Do you know what I mean? So um, it's, it was a special, special time at life. And I think it was a moment in musical transition as well when I was at university when I think house music was really big at the time and EDM was just sort of slowly teetering off a little bit but indie music certainly wasn't in the in the forefront at all but arctic's just you know they 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 blew things up again and and took over the world with that album were your taste changing quite radically at that point yes definitely 100 percent. my 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 taste when i went to university my taste just expanded beyond belief i was i was uh, like i was going to stealth i was going so sorry for those who haven't been to nottingham before stealth is like it's like the dance club basically where all the DJs like pass through like Disclosure in their early days all can, or they all put Scream, Banger like they all pass through there and, and play Stealth and stuff in Nottingham so I was going to Stealth I was watching bands in Rock City I was watching new like indie folk stuff in like the Jazz Cafe there were a few kind of early hip hop guys coming through as well so my tastes were hugely expanding and that's when I you know that, that was the time of life when I was really kind of pushing on to be wanting to be a guy who championed brand new music having that arctics album am within the mix and how that was so revolutionary and game-changing only said to me or only helped me understand how at the time rock music was a very stagnant genre how you can expect more of these artists and how you can actively push them and engage with them to to push their own abilities further if arctics can go out of their way and release five albums and each one sound totally different, but be the biggest band in the world, then why can't you be revolutionary in what you do? And I think it was, and I still hold that to today when I go on the radio, like to me, when I'm listening, and uh, it's more about rock music than anything, to be honest with you, because I think people just get the classic um, way of thinking stuck in their head, right? But if you are, if you can be like, if you can really push the boundaries on things, people will remember you, people will gravitate to you. You will hold a much more personal point in people's musical spectrums and really have an influence on them than if you don't. This this ethos that you have to share new music and to push the boundaries that are partially inspired, yeah. is that purely coming from artists like that kind of inspiring you or is there something within you as well that's kind of pushing you? Yeah, I have quite a creative drive anyway. Uh, aside from music, for me it's about just pushing myself and making sure whatever I'm doing, I'm doing something different. I'm doing something exciting and engaging and your music should always be like that as well. So, I mean, Arctic's definitely were a huge catalyst in that for me and kind of confirming that for me. Cause I didn't really have too many people. I didn't really have too many people around me who, when I was growing up, were particularly creative in and, and thought in that way. So I sort of had to like work it out for myself. And But having bands like Arctics and various others who would always push boundaries and make sure things were were different and, um, and exciting, 
yeah, really kind of confirmed that way of thinking for me. Who do you hear now that gives you the same feeling that they did back then? No one. No one. Genuinely no one. And I think, I think, that's, I, I think that's a real thing because I think subconsciously, as, as a broadcaster, as a fan of alternative music, we are all looking for the next Arctic Monkeys. Let's be honest, we are. But the next Arctic Monkeys aren't going to come in the form of Arctic Monkeys. They're just not. You know, it's like Radiohead or Foo Fighters, Bjork, whoever. There can only be one of these, right? Uh, uh, to the success level that has been hit. And so when I get <laughs> when I get a press release coming through sometimes going, these guys have been billed as the next Arctic Monkeys. That's a red flag for me straight away. <laughs> straight away. Don't even try and put yourself on that pedestal. It's not worth it. You're just setting yourself up for failure. They might be good, but you will never, you will never be on that level. And I think it also comes down to when you discover these bands as well, because I think if you were to ask someone who is maybe like 18 now and ask them like kind of in the same respect, like who your favorite band is and to talk about them, they might, they would probably name someone different because they connected with, well, they'd probably actually name a different genre, wouldn't they? Because, you know, alternative music wasn't quite as popular when they were growing up. But essentially, they would probably name someone different because, you know, they found that connection in someone else and they felt that special spark in a, in a different band or a different artist or a different way of thinking. So, you know, whoever is next is going to be different, is going to stand for something different. But maybe what will be consistent will be that very special spark and flair within the band that you can't really fabricate. You're looking for, for raw talent there. Um, and I think with Arctics, that's Alex Turner's lyrics. Someone that comes to mind in that kind of camp of people too at the moment would be Youngblood in terms of something that's slightly indefinable yeah. and hadn't been done in that way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think... Yes, in premise, but it's certainly in a different time as well. He's very good at being personal and real with the audience because that's what the audience wants now. And actually, I guess you can kind of compare that to, you know, the lyrics of Alex. And that's kind of what I was talking about at the start of the podcast, wasn't I? About feeling connected and feeling close to home. At that point in life, you know, social media wasn't a thing like it is now. You didn't have that way of connecting with people. And so really the lyricism was the real connection there. So I guess if you compare it in that sense, yeah, absolutely. Why, why, why can't he be compared like that? And it's, it is the way to do things. You know, if you make that connection, whatever, however personal it may be, whether it be with your lyrics or whether it be just who you are and your presence on social media and in front of people, that is the way to do things. So yeah, I agree, man. He, um, he's doing things similar for sure. I mean, the reason I brought up his name too was that he was someone that you very much pushed yeah. from the beginning. And it comes back to that idea of helping people discover their new art at Monkeys. What did his press release say when it came through? To come back yes. to that idea of someone saying, "Yeah, yeah you know, it had I, Monkeys." I, yeah, his press release had Jamie T on it. It had it didn't have a specific hip hop artist, but it had Jamie T, like influenced by hip hop, Arctic Monkeys, and and someone else on there. I can't remember off the top of my head. This was a long, long while ago. That's a fair mix. You can hear it. Yeah, but. I think I think the di I think the difference I think the difference is what I was trying to say before is when a press release comes with these guys are the new Arctic Monkeys they've been tipped as the new Arctic Monkeys that's not 
that's the red flag for me. When someone's influenced by them, that's I think that's okay. And you can give that a fair chance. You can give that a fair shot and, you know, appreciate that pretty much every band that comes through now is going to have, have been influenced by Arctic Monkeys in some respect because they really are that present and so big for people. I mean, I think that's part of the reason that we started this podcast is that every time you read an interview with a band, Arctic Monkeys is a name that's get you know, gets brought up when that influence yeah. question gets asked. Yeah, exactly, mate. They are, they are omnipresent in the lives of any music fan. They really are. I remember seeing over Christmas, you took two weeks off where you didn't listen to any music. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. You completely disconnected. Yeah. Do you get a similar feeling when maybe you don't listen to a band like Arctic Monkeys for a while and then you come back around to that music? Do you notice new things in a similar way? When I say I'm not listening to any music, I'm listening to Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> that's, that's the truth of it. They're your baseline. Yeah, man. They are, they, are, they are my comfort zone. They are, my, they are the, the warm hug when I get in on a cold winter's night. They are the hot cup of cocoa when I need comfort. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're just there when I need them. And it's the same goes for Queens of Stone Age or like Royal Blood or, or something like that. that. That little kind of spectrum of white stripes, that little spectrum of, of bands and artists are always my, my go-to. And yeah, when I say I'm not listening to music, I'm probably listening to them because they're the ones that I connect most with. They're the ones that make me feel... A lot, like really alive inside when I listen to it like I still fucking stand in front of the mirror and like you know give some of the tunes a good old go of course I do like I'm there in the shower like giving my best sort of You're ladies yeah of course why not like <laughs> do you know what I mean like I'm 28 now but I'm I'm still 15 inside do you know what I mean like so it's I, they they are and will always be my, my, my favourite band of all time I think that's what really special music does though it brings you back to that place that you were when you first discovered it yeah absolutely and I think that's why that's why I never that's why when like my dad's like Oh, but it'll be never. It'll never be as good as da 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 da. You know, your uncle or your uncle at Christmas time going. Oh, what are you listening to at the moment? Oh, I'm listening to this really cool like new progressive hip hop thing. Yeah, but it's not Oasis, is it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I I, I almost understand. I understand that as I've got a little bit older, I understand why they're like that because you do just have that innate connection with these bands that you just you you will never let go and you will never get over at all. And you know, to an extent, I I understand crazy fandom. You know, I'm not a crazy fan, but not yet. I understand it. You know, I could if I wanted it to be. And that's a nice note to wrap up. On, <laughs> Please no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there'll be a band that you continue to play throughout your entire career as a DJ? Will there be a mainstay in your set? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. They're timeless. They're timeless. I mean, there's 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 kids still coming through and 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 like soaking them up and listening to them for the very first time. I mean, it's like a, like AM for example, like that album's oh shit, that album is quite old now actually, isn't it? Was it seven, eight. eight eight years old now, isn't it? Oh yeah, shit, that is quite old. But even so, you know, eight, like when that album came about, that opened that band up to a whole new audience. And I'm sure this, the, you know, whatever's coming next will do exactly the same thing as well. You know, you don't you don't get you don't get to where this band are having released the amount of albums that they have over the time period that they have without being brilliant and always engaging people. Um, and they, I think they will always continue to do that no matter what, whether it's a concept album or, you know, a worldwide popular rock and roll smash. Yeah.